Welcome to this inaugural public discussion featuring Mariah Lucas, Jason Clark, and facilitator Javier Starring, whose powerful story of redemption and transformation was featured as the premiere of the CNN original series, The Redemption Project with Van Jones, which is an eight-week docuseries that takes viewers into the room as offenders come face-to-face with those impacted by their violent crimes as part of the restorative justice process. I'm Molly Rowan Leach, founder of Restorative Justice on the Rise, and my co-host is Belvie Rooks for this compelling session. Restorative Justice on the Rise was founded in 2011 to provide a powerful dialogue series featuring global experts in the field of restorative justice and also allies with major organizations in the field to raise the visibility of restorative practices locally, nationally, and globally. For more about our work, go to restorativejusticeontherise.org. My co-host, Belvie Rooks, has worked with Van over a number of years on various projects and endeavors, including the Ella Baker Center, the Dream Reborn, the Green Jobs Initiative, and Bioneers. She and Deedon Gills, her partner in life and love, and co-founder of Growing a Global Heart, who transitioned in 2015, were our honored guests on Restorative Justice on the Rise in 2011, along with Van, around the impactful Cut 50 launch. Both of those podcasts can be found at the website and are available via iTunes. Belvie has two books about to launch from Inner Pathways Publishing, The Power of Love, A Transformed Heart Changes the World, which was compiled by Dr. Fran Grace based on a journey inspired by Dr. David Hawkins, in which Belvie co-authored the essay, Love and the Healing of Societal Wounds, with Didon. It is well on its way to becoming a textbook on global ethics, launched at the Parliament of World Religions in November of 2018. In addition, Grandmother Mona Palaka's essay appears in the same anthology, and Mona is also a continued faculty, speaker, and mentor on the Connection Series, which is a year-long mentorship opportunity with global experts in restorative justice. That's offered by Restorative Justice on the Rise. Belvie is also on that esteemed faculty. The other book about to launch is I Give You the Springtime of My Blushing Heart, a poetic love song. In addition, Global Chorus, a timeless and evergreen book of the days with key invocations and reflections that includes Didon and Belvie and with a brand new preface from Jane Goodall and also includes Stephen Hawking, Van Jones, and Archbishop Desmond Tutu is available now. In the discussion you are about to hear, Jason and Mariah model these key elements that underpin these works as well as the core of why restorative justice is so powerful, that is, the power and impact of a transformed heart on our world. To access social assets for the Redemption Project and the CNN site, For all the information on this powerful series, you can click on the replay page sidebar or go direct to CNN.com. 
For more information about the Reform Alliance, a project to dramatically reduce the number of people who are unjustly under the control of the criminal justice system, starting with probation and parole, go to reformalliance.com. Finally, for more information about the work that Javier and Jason are doing with Healing Dialogue and Action, go to healingdialogueandaction.org. Mariah's book that is mentioned during this hour, I Became, is available at Amazon. We especially acknowledge Mariah and Jason for their incredible courage and Van and his team for making this powerful story visible so that others might find hope amidst a very dark time for the American justice system. Thus, we enter this hour discussion with Belvis asking Jason about his journey and insights. Thank you for joining us. On the question of path and, you know, um, passion. Okay. Um, I uh, First, well, it started out with my own self-help and trying to get myself right, but um, there was a point where um, a group of people came into the prison I was at and gave a seminar, and one of the people that was there was Scott Budnick. Um, and uh, he took the time to talk to me uh, after that seminar, and I realized that there was a possibility of getting out someday and, and coming back uh, to the prisons and helping people because that's what he was doing. He was bringing in uh, guys that are formerly incarcerated, bringing them back into the prisons uh, to talk to us and let us know that uh, there is hope and possibility. But uh, when I really, truly uh, uh, committed myself to this, um, I don't want to call it a line of work because it's not work. Um, <laughs> uh, when I When I really... When I really uh, opened up to this, it was uh, probably when I finished the last word of that letter that Mariah sent me is uh, when I had made up my mind and decided what I was going to do with my life. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious. So you were exposed in prison to um, the person that you uh, – programs that uh, – where people had gone out and come back and were talking about – these kinds of possibilities? Uh, yeah, yeah, that's how, uh, well, just the idea of, of working, coming back into the prison system and working with people like that, uh, that made me realize that was a possibility um, to to uh, maybe pursue that, you know, after my release, pursue doing something along those lines. But uh, again, it was, it was when I got the letter that um, I knew what my life was going to be like after that. Mm. You, you just Excuse knew. me. Excuse me. Could I just jump in? I, I just received a text saying that uh, the show's not broadcasting. I just want to let folks know in case we need to check that. We are we are good to go. We're all set, okay. Javier. Thank you. Yep. Okay. Belvi, so that was you my last complete? If Jason could just, yes, yeah. complete. Mm. So once again, I just want to welcome everyone. If you're just joining us, 
I'm with Bellevue Rooks as my co-host. This is Molly Rowan Leach, and we're in a mini-panel dialogue with Javier Starring, Mariah Lucas, and Jason Clark from Sunday's powerful and transformative episode of The Redemption Project, which, of course, is the eight-week CNN series. And boy, howdy is it. It's um, been very transformational just in these first few minutes with all of you. So if you're just joining us, thank you for being here. Um, and we're going to go into some Q&A shortly. We're here for uh, an hour and 15 minutes total. So submit your Q&A questions at the Q&A tab on the webcast, please, at any time throughout tonight's conversation. Also, we do have a chat room available to you. Please participate in there and connect with everyone else. So. What's alive for me right now, Belvi, um, and all of you, is, is to also link from how we started tonight with sharing a little bit about our, our journeys with the moment that you found out and dis or decided that you were going to bring your life and your story to this project. And I'm wondering, uh, Mariah, if you'd like to start with that question. What was your experience? Uh, just so I'm understanding this, what was my experience when I was presented with the opportunity to take part in this series? Absolutely. That's a question? Yes. Okay. Yes. So I was originally approached by Javier, who um, I'm understanding had dialogue with Van Jones, about wanting to film a dialogue um, such as the one that I was attempting to navigate through with Jason. Um, at the time, it was really just a speculation of, hey, we want to film you guys meeting for the first time and, you know, possibly we can make this into a video that we could take into the presence and use as um, you know, teaching material and stuff like that. At the time, signing the contracts, we really didn't know what we were getting ourselves into. We just knew that um, if Jason and I wanted to meet, this seemed like the only opportunity that we were actually going to get to meet because it it took so much just to get approval from the governor to meet him. Um, so at that point, it was like, well, <laughs> if this is how I get to do it, then I'm going to do it because I I need nothing more right now than to speak to him and to ask him these powerful questions that will essentially close the door to my past and allow me to keep walking forward. So um, I think my immediate answer when Javier asked me was absolutely. Um, and then over time it continued to be this is something that I need to do. This is something that I need to do, and it needs to happen now. Um, and I'm glad it did because my life has, I mean, just when they say it's healing, I mean, I've lost 110 pounds since having met Vincent and worked through all of that built-up um, questions and what-ifs and all of that. So I, it really allowed me to just kind of empty out all the negative, um, you know, horrible memories and 
tensions and all that that I like held inside of me. So I knew immediately when Javier presented the opportunity in front of me that I had to take it. There was there wasn't even a second thought. Um, even if it didn't go anywhere, like if it sat on a shelf in some library somewhere, like I knew that I had to do that. Mm. Thank you so much, Mariah. And I just want to turn it to Jason now and, and ask you, Jason, how are you feeling at the moment that you knew you were going to be on the Redemption Project? Um, I, I think um, uh, Javier can remember uh, exactly what I told him. It was something along the lines of, uh, whatever Mariah wanted to do, I would be completely willing to go uh, get on board and go along with it. It was it was it was that simple for me. Uh, I didn't we didn't neither one of us expected it to go into this and become what it's become. Uh, it was an opportunity, and uh, and uh, but uh, the, the reality for me was if Mariah wanted to do this, I absolutely would have. That's all it took for me. Yeah, you know, um, it, it, it was uh, pretty amazing how all of this came together. Uh, but what was, uh, you know, uh, the hallmark of it was just how willing both of them were to participate. And I remember Jason telling me that whatever Mariah wanted, and he started to cry when he told me. He said, my only fear is that I won't be able to give her what she deserves and, and, and desires. And and I remember, you know, because part of the process is you sit down with both parties separately and you hear the stories and you present the questions one to uh, the other of, the, of what um, that, that are going to come up in, in, the, in the victim offender dialogue. And Jason shared you know some some horrible childhood experiences he he shared some some things that quite honestly um uh, i told him i said you know you don't have to share everything jason you don't it, it, it's not going to change you know what's going to happen between you and mariah and jason said no no i'm i'm committed to telling the whole truth because this is what this process is about and uh, in the same way that Mariah did it, you know, because I know that Mariah also shared some some experiences that uh, when her family heard about it, uh, they felt like, you know, why did you share so much? But it, it, it's um, something that I admire so much about everybody who, who participated in this project. I mean, you admire anybody. Who, who will come and, and sit down and have a dialogue with, you know, the person that has injured them in the worst way of their entire life. But then to do it in front of cameras for the entire world to see, just out of the, the, the hopes that it will help somebody else, that, that, that's uh, pretty generous and pretty, pretty courageous. Very selfless. And it's very courageous because, um, you know, 
that's what came, I came, I left the program was, was just the, the reach and the hope that you each were offering in terms of healing, not just for yourselves, but for, for us. Um, and it, Mariah, I really identified with you um, because one of my shames and secrets growing up uh, as a child, um, you know, and, and actually until relatively late was that my uh, was that I was adopted, but um, but adopted into the family, but my mother um, was killed by her husband. Uh, I later I learned late in life and. I just hated him, uh, even though I was adopted, didn't know my mother. Um, and I finally did learn that I was, in the same way you were saying you were holding on to a lot of weight, I was holding on to a lot of hate, anger and hatred, and he had been dead for many years. Uh, and as you, as, so I really identified with you growing up um, not having your mom. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. I just want to thank Vilvi for that share and, and just add, while this platform is connecting people from all over the world, we apologize for any inconvenience of the delay for some of you to get into this room. And I'm here with Vilvi Rooks who is our co-host tonight, and with Mariah, Javier, and Jason from Sunday's premiere episode of The Redemption Project with Van Jones on CNN. So welcome. And one thing I'd love to share briefly is the fact that this, this series touches close to home for me as well. I am the daughter of an offender who was incarcerated for 15 years including solitary time. And that experience showed me the power of restorative justice and the power that it holds, um, even though it has fears that it pushes or buttons that it pushes for people um, that are, are natural. Um, if we face what we've done, if we get a chance to offer humanity to all involved, it is such a powerful place that we create together. So I, I again want to just honor Javier and uh, all of you who are involved on the ground in the restorative justice movement um, and beyond. Um, Belvi, do you have anything to add or shall we go no. into the next round Please. of questions? The next thank round. You. Thank you, thank you. So the, this, that was a seg into this next question, um, which is what would you want to share about restorative justice as you experienced it? And let's start with you, Jason. Thank you. Um, what would I share about restorative justice and my involvement? Uh, where do I begin? Um, one of the things about restorative justice is that that I don't know that three hour conversation that me and Mariah had when the, that initial conversation when we sat down and, and just talked for hours um, um, I told people that the way I described that time right there was 
was that three-hour conversation was harder than my entire 23 years in prison. And that's one thing I would share with people is the difficulty of it. This is not an easy thing to do. It takes a lot of preparation. It's not something you can just get up and go and do. You really have to do a lot of introspection and insight and, and learning a lot of stuff. Uh, so it's a very difficult thing going into. But uh, that being said, uh, coming out the other side of it, it was uh, absolutely worth it. It was worth all the effort, worth all the, the difficulty, worth uh, everything, every bit about it. It was absolutely worth it. But the difficulty would be the, the just how hard it was to get through that is what I would share with people, to know that going in. Mm. Mariah, what do you, what was your experience? What how, what would you want to share or make known about um, restorative justice? Um, I think the biggest thing that I'd like to share, and this is simply from personal experience, is. Um, you have to be prepared to sacrifice whatever is necessary to reach your goal. For me, my goal was meeting the man who killed my mother and offering him forgiveness and acceptance and love in person because in my mind, he didn't have that. How could you kill somebody if you didn't have those things? Um, but what it cost me was family members and friends who didn't agree with my choices. Um, so I would say that if your heart and your soul is so passionate about something like restorative justice, uh, be ready and willing to give up and to sacrifice the things that mean something to you so that you can accomplish the thing that means the most. Um, that's, that's probably what I would, I would share. <laughs> mm. Anything to add, Belvie, to that? Mm, no, just admiring the courage that it takes and uh, the reminder of how how difficult it is and how hard it can be. And Mariah, you were very safely held, weren't you, during this process? Your your safety needs, your your needs around um how the, the process would look and feel, I am sure. And perhaps you and Javier could speak a bit to that um in just a moment. I want to I want to give Javier a, a chance to also respond to um, just basically what you'd like everyone to know about restorative justice. Sure, I mean um, I, I 100% agree with Mariah and Jason about uh, you know the amount of courage and commitment that it takes to um, decide to go through a process like this. Uh, I, I, I consider myself 
one of the most fortunate people in the world because I get to walk with folks that have that kind of courage and, and, and I get to see the results and, and just, you know, the manifestation of um, what human resilience can look like at its highest level because I, the, 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 the people that I have met throughout the 30 years that, that uh, I consider the best people in the world are folks who are folks who um, lived horrible, horrible experiences. And, and yes, you, you can say that the, the process of restorative justice is a difficult experience, but it's not an ugly experience. I think that, you know, people would, I, I've heard many people say, I'm glad that I'm finally crying. I'm glad that I'm finally feeling sad. I'm glad that, because before now, I didn't feel anything. I was numb. So I, I think that Jason would agree with when I say that, uh, yes, it, it, it's, it's a it's a it's a very difficult experience to confront you know uh realities of your life that you've been ashamed of and 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 take ownership and and do all those things but prior to doing that you weren't really living a life you know so you you go through you you grow through these challenging times in life so that you can start living life for the first time start feeling Start, you know, walking with your head up because you're not you're not uh, just buried by shame. Start connecting with people and and open your, yourself up to different emotions that you haven't experienced for decades. So uh, challenging, absolutely. Yeah. But I would say it's a beautiful, beautiful, difficult, very difficult process. Mm. Thank you I was so much. Go ahead, Mariah. Uh, I I just wanted to say I totally agree with what Javier is saying. Um, and to kind of piggyback off of what I was mentioning earlier, um, my sacrifices were many. I you know I don't have a relationship with my brother. My speaking out about my abuse and the need that I had to meet with Jason and stuff actually, I mean, just threw a wrench into my family. But what I gained from that experience was more than I could have ever had imagined. Um, Jason is one of my best friends. We share pretty much everything there is to share with each other because we know that we walk this path together now. Um, his actions, you know, gave us a bond that we get to share for the rest of our life. And we could have utilized that bond in a negative way, um, but instead our sacrifices and the things that we had to face and overcome in order to be where we're at today has provided both of us with a family that is founded on love and acceptance and appreciation 
and with a desire to make the world a better place so that nobody else has to experience the same things that we had to experience to get to where we are today. So um, mm. sacrificed a lot, but what I gained back was just more than I could have ever asked for. Mm. One one of the things I want to just appreciate is, uh, Mariah and Jason is that you named something just now, but also in the episode, um, in the documentary, you you name uh, the generational wounding that um, you each had the opportunity to um, break, you know, to to quit that path and track for your for the rest of your lives and for your children's lives, and that's a big deal. Thank you for that. So we are about to go into connecting with everyone that's here from around the world. And um, we want to encourage Q&A tab questions and comments, but we also want to give people an opportunity to ask a live question. And we would ask, if you do decide you'd like to ask a live question, please, if you would kindly keep it brief and to the point, um, and directed perhaps at one person in particular, if you can. Um, Belvi, would you like to add anything to that or no, um, think, any more questions? No, I think this is really a wonderful time to expand the dialogue. As you, wonderful. If you've Great, indicated. thank you. Thank you. So let's go ahead and start out with some of the amazing questions coming in on the Q&A portal. Um, I want to thank Kira for her question, I'm assuming Kira, um, female gender. So Kira, thank you. Um, what kind of behind the scenes prep work went into becoming strong enough to engage in restorative justice? As practitioners, what would you want us to know beyond what we saw or see and may get in a training? And um, we'll go ahead and have you start with that one, Javier. Thank you. Or uh, it, it might be more towards Mariah and Jason. If, if the question is uh, how do they prepare themselves or how does a practitioner prepare? It, it's a both and, I believe. Um, so it's fine. Whoever would be happy to start I, I, I with mean, that. Jason and Mariah obviously have experienced what it took them to to get ready for, for the dialogue. Jason, right. do you want right. to talk yeah. about it? And yeah. now they're both facilitators as well, so I believe. Um, I, can, I can jump in here, Javier. Um, mm -hmm. for, for, the, for the personally getting prepared for uh, the dialogue, was, you know, a culmination of years of uh, bettering myself through self-help programs, books, uh, anything I can do. Um, but for the for the coming down to the actual uh, dialogue, uh, a lot of the preparedness was um, being being able to be uh, in a place where I was at peace and comfortable with myself. A lot of centering, uh, a lot of counseling and talks. Uh, with people 
it, w- it was just a, a steady prep work and, and a understanding that um, a, a constant reminder that this is really uncharted waters and, you know, being prepared for the worst uh, and, and hoping for the best. But it, it was, it was really, it's, it's not an overnight thing. It, it has to be where uh, me personally, I believe that both parties really have to do a lot of uh, self-reflection and centering before they're ready uh, to do this. And then for uh, facilitating and, and doing that kind of stuff, um, my training came through my own personal experience, but also it, it's with, um, it's, uh, for example, uh, motivational interviewing is um, a skill that I picked up when I was a case manager. And the motivational interviewing is more about listening and responding than it is about talking. And so that's one of the things I think would be key here is, is the most important job in this is to listen uh, and preparing yourself to be a good listener because it's not an easy thing to do. Thank you. Wow. Anyone else want to respond? Thank you so much, Jason. Oh, no yeah, problem. I would agree with Jason. Uh, sorry, Javier, did you want to? That's all right, no. Um, I would agree with Jason. Uh, one of the things that I really focused on was um, balancing my myself and understanding where my needs were stemming from. Um, I went through 19 years of emotional and physical and sexual abuse, and in my mind, I wasn't necessarily worthy of understanding why or understanding, um, you know, the abilities that I had to actually speak to Jason, and it was years and years of counseling and and kind of re identifying who I was as a person and and allowing myself to feel that worthiness again, um, but also to understand that, um, you know, if I was defined by the worst thing that I'd ever done, um, would people think of me differently? And so I had to, I kind of had to remove my own personal feelings and emotions from it to be able to actively listen to what Jason was telling me. I had questions. I asked those questions, but I had to set myself aside so that I can actually hear and take upon myself the words that he was saying in a way that made him more human and allowed his actions and his feelings and emotions and his experiences to play into the reason why he did what he did. And in my training as a facilitator, because I've worked with several organizations going into prisons and stuff, was really about understanding the human emotions and chemicals and hormones that play into people's physical actions and understanding that at any given point in my life, I could have ended up in the same seat as Jason. Um, So understanding that, you know, people make mistakes and Sometimes those mistakes are worse than others, but we 
as humans and sentient beings, we have an opportunity to grow and to evolve from those things. And that if we only saw people through these glasses where they are only identified by that single act of violence that they committed however long ago, then we're never really giving them the opportunity to be anything else. And I didn't want to view Jason as that person because how could I sit across from that person? I hope that makes sense. <laughs> Beautifully stated. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Mariah. And we have so many great questions coming in from people. want to let you know that even if your question doesn't come into this live room and uh, conversation space in this moment tonight, we promise we're going to get your questions connected with Mariah, Javier, and Jason. So um, we'll make sure that you guys get a chance to have a discussion offline after we close tonight's session. And a reminder that next week we are going to continue the post-episode discussion series. So make sure to check out this Sunday's upcoming episode, which I believe will feature our great friends, the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding in a process with facilitator Gretchen Casey. So um, please join us ongoing every Tuesday through June 18th. So if you have a live question, again, please press star 2 on your telephone keypad um, if you'd like to ask it into the room. Um, I'd like to go to a question from Tom now. Um, this is for Mariah. And thank you, Tom, for your excellent question. He says, how did it feel to watch your and Jason's journey on television? Did watching your exchange with Jason give you any additional insight into your own thoughts and feelings? And do you think it will help others? That is a great question, Tom. Thank you. Um, if I'm being completely honest, watching the interaction was a little surreal. Um, I think Jason can um, agree with me when I say while we're in the moment, it was kind of like a blackout experience. <laughs> um, there was a lot happening, <laughs> a lot of questions and a lot of answers and a lot of emotions. So a lot of it was really like afterwards we're like, oh, my gosh, what just happened? Um, so watching it just reminded me of how important that moment in my life was because um, it just filled in so many holes. And I feel like moving forward, I want people to see that it's possible to get so close to somebody who drastically changed your life and be at peace with them. Um, you, it, the documentary shows us embracing, um, and I feel like I want people to know that that's okay. I want people to know that having those emotions come over you and feeling the need to embrace someone who is very visibly affected by uh, the environment that you're in is totally okay, even if other people won't understand why. And I, I've spoken to a lot of people about this who ask, who have asked, 
you know, how can you be so physically close to somebody and not want to reach out in anger and in, um, you know, try to get vengeance or revenge on this person? And honestly, for me, the only emotion that I felt for Jason at that time was love. Um, I remember telling Javier afterwards, like, I feel like my motherly instincts kicked in and watching him, like, shake and just be completely vulnerable and emotive. Like, I just wanted to calm him down and, and reassure him that everything was okay. And so watching the documentary again and, and watching that interaction happen, I just really want people to know that it is okay to embrace someone who has hurt you. Um, and I think that's probably, like, my biggest hope for everybody seeing it is that, it's okay to to comfort the other person and to be there for that other person um, because that's what forgiveness is about and that's what it means to truly heal is to be able to respond with love and compassion to someone who other people may feel like they don't necessarily deserve it. I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thank you to Tom for that wonderful question. And we're going to go ahead and turn to the phone line here um, for a few live questions and keep the Q&As coming in through the web portal, which is the webcast page, where you'll also find some social assets provided to us by the Redemption Project team. Those are, are places where you can, um, it's a Dropbox file actually, where you can go and pick up um, video clips and press and um, photos and otherwise that you can share out about the series. So I'm going to open up the line here now for you, Barbara, and just want to welcome you into the space. Thank you for being here tonight. Go ahead, Barbara. We'll come back to Barbara, and uh, we have, of course, um, star two on the keypad for any live questions. Um, we're going to go go to another comment here. Um, we have a long line of questions tonight. Try to get to as many as we can. Um, thank you, Angela. And she says it seemed to be such an empowering event for both of you, and seeing the impact it had on the other individuals you met with was so incredible. I pray you both experienced healing and that you know how much healing you are bringing to people all over. And then from Jeff, um, Jeff shares, Javier is obviously a support person to both Mariah and Jason, but I'm wondering if there were additional support persons that either Jason or Mariah had before, during, or after the Victim Offender Restorative Conference. So thank you for the comment and Jeff to his question. Thank you. Would anyone like to start with that one from Jeff? Uh, go ahead, Mariah. <laughs> um, so I actually, um, I had one of my really good friends. Her name is Samantha Kruskal. She actually is in the restorative justice field with me. She's um, in the midst of getting her law degree. So um, I brought her with me and my husband stayed at home with my kids. Um, before the process began, I had my husband who 
um, I mentioned in the documentary was the only person who really saw worth in me um, in my darkest times because, as you can imagine, going through some of the things that I went through as a child, um, in my early adult years, I wasn't a very nice person. Um, and I allowed my pain and my hurt to hurt other people, not intentionally, but um, those were results from my victimization. Um, and my husband was actually the person who helped me understand that um, the things that were done to me weren't my fault. So it was able, like, he was really able to kind of help me understand my role in the environment that I was going into with Jason. But the actual days of filming, um, my best friend Sam was like an integral part of my back. <laughs> she was my backbone and helped me up and calmed me down and reminded me that um, this is something that would change our lives and it definitely did. So I would say, yes, I had an incredible amount of support. Um, and I've, I've told Javier from the very beginning that, um, you know, being that my father was in prison pretty much my entire childhood and I didn't really have a very good role model father figure in my uncle. Um, Javier just reminded me of my worth and my abilities and was very much a father figure for me throughout the process and an incredible role model and mentor, so. Jason. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so uh, I I had Kimberly. a... Yes, thank you. Um, I had a tremendous amount of support. Uh, at that time, I was at the Amity Foundation, which is a transitional housing. Uh, so I had a support network there. Uh, Mark Fawcett, uh, was hugely uh, supportful through the whole thing. Uh, and through this entire thing, I also had uh, someone, uh, uh, a gentleman named Greg, who had actually done 44 years in prison and had paroled within two weeks of me after doing 44 years in prison on a life sentence. And Greg was by my side and never left my side during the entire process. He was there to help me with whatever I needed to talk, uh, just to hang out, and uh, I think that was really uh, important to have just someone there just to be there for you and, and help you with anything you might need. Uh, so, yeah, I, I had support network too. Wonderful. So just want to point out to everybody that if you're not already aware, there's a new um, project that is just recently launching from Van Jones and his team, and that's the Reform Alliance. Um, for more information about his work and his team's work and all the collaborations they're doing, go to reformalliance.com. Their, their mission is to dramatically reduce the number of people who are unjustly under the control of the criminal justice system, starting with probation and parole. To win, they will leverage their considerable resources to change laws, policies, hearts, and minds. That's the Reform Alliance. So as we come into our last 15 or so minutes tonight, I want to continue to encourage you to submit your great questions. And we're going to go now to um, a question from Tim. Thank you, Tim, in Maryland. And he asks, how are VOD programs, or Victim Offender Dialogue, programs introduced to inmates and victims? 
and how our Department of Corrections approached with the idea. And that's for anybody. Uh, the like question to definitely goes to Javier. <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a Javier question right there. <laughs> so, so in California, and each state will be different, but in in California, at this moment, all victim offender dialogues have to be initiated by the victim, the survivor, family survivor, uh, and it's. Um, it, it, it's it's a gift that we haven't offered uh, in, in this state, and I don't know it, uh, that any other states are doing any better because you listen to, you know, Mariah and Jason's testimony, and I can uh, assure you, I mean, it, 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 it's easy to, to imagine that, prior to them going through this process, you know, they were different people. And if we know, if we know the power behind victim offender dialogue, in particular, if people are already at that point in their healing journey where they feel like they're going to benefit from it, why are we not shouting it out? You know, why aren't we creating opportunities for people to do this. I know so many men in prison that they would they would give up their uh, chance of ever going home to participate in a victim offender dialogue so that they could express the remorse, so, so that they could express the sorrow, so that they could express, you know, how they're committed to living the rest of their life make, trying to make amends. And I would imagine that if, the people that they have injured, the families that they have injured, knew who they were, they would also be open. Or, or maybe, you know, uh, they, they are. Maybe they, they already are at a point where uh, uh, they want to have that conversation that Mariah had, you know, to answer the questions and to let out the, the, the pain, to share the pain that, that, that uh, this person cause them and to heal through this um, we we need to find ways to make victim offender dialogue for the most extreme cases uh, more available and, and and I'm so grateful to Van Jones and CNN because I, I, I really believe that this will be uh, a, a catalyst for this movement because I, I think that it's just a lot of people don't know about it. And if, if more people uh, become aware of it, then we can push institutions to change their policies. Because right now, systemically, we divide people, right? You, 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 you divide the, the, the person who committed the wrongdoing and, and the uh, person who was injured in, in the name of justice. But we take away so much opportunity for healing so that some entity, some state can feel that justice has been done. Elvi, any thoughts on this and no, where we sitting, would like to turn um, the conversation? Well, no, I was just reflecting on what Javier um 
we're sharing, which is, um, mm-hmm. you know, hopeful and what the possibilities are and, you know, what we see demonstrated as love and healing and the courage and commitment required and um, and it's hopeful. Extraordinarily hopeful. I think what was so powerful for me in watching Sunday's episode, um, among the many things, was witnessing as we moved towards the closing of the documentary, um, the scenes of the two of you, Jason and Mariah, well, the three of you, walking back into Lancaster and holding circle with inmates there. And I'm wondering if any of you would be willing to reflect on what that experience was like and what maybe since then, um, you know, I know you you do go back there and and you do a lot of work with, with the prison, but tell us about that specific experience. And then um, give us some ideas about what you're up to now together, if you would. Jason, why don't you go ahead and start? Oh, okay. Um, so for me, that was the first time I stepped foot back into a prison since I was released. And um, so there was a lot of... Uh, um, I, it, it, what's funny is it wasn't as heavy as I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a little more traumatic. I thought it was going to be a little heavier. But I think the biggest difference is, is I was walking in with the knowledge that I was coming back out. I was walking in under different circumstances. I wasn't a scared 20-year-old punk with an attitude. I was, you know, I was coming back in to to work with people and to, to help heal people. And so... Uh, that for me, it was just a, a very profound experience, and, and being able to go back in with Mariah and Van and Javier and a, and a, and a, and a camera crew, so that we could we could record those moments and, and people could see that you know there's uh, uh, I'm not the exception. There are there are groups of guys throughout the entire prison system that are doing this same work that are are doing creating and running groups to better themselves. And I think that take, that was one of the biggest things I took away from that was uh, uh, being able to show that that the uh, I'm not the exception. There's a lot of people who deserve these opportunities and these chances to 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 be involved or to get out and 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 do great things. And that's what I wanted to to point out to people. Thank you. And Jason, where were you last night? Oh. Uh, uh, I was in Lancaster Prison last night. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was not in prison last night, but um, <laughs> that experience for me really kind of opened my eyes to how much damage our system is doing. Um, not a whole lot of our group conversation was shared in the actual documentary for Obvious reasons, you know, timing and stuff was limited. But in that dialogue with those, with the members of the Bare Bones um, organization within that prison, um, there were men who expressed how unworthy they felt 
of forgiveness, how unworthy they felt of that redemption and how um, they didn't feel like they deserved to get out because of the systemic weight that we put on members of incarcerated, uh, you know, uh, the individuals that we put behind bars. We tell them that they're not people anymore. They are just a statistic. And that that really put a lot on me. It, it hurt me to see that these people felt that they did not deserve the same thing that Jason deserved. You know, I'm, I was in there as a victim, as a survivor, as, as an advocate, and I was sitting next to the man who took my mother's life and telling these people that it's okay to be forgiven. It's necessary to be forgiven. So I think the biggest thing going out of there was this huge burning desire in me to make sure that people like the men inside that group were able to let go of that feeling of unworthiness. Um, and, and in the documentary, you actually see some of the footage of Jason's body and on his stomach are the word, is the word unforgiven. And... Um, I've mentioned to Jason many times I'm going to take a Sharpie and <laughs> cover, cross out the un on that part, but um, that experience really just made me realize that I have so much w- more work to do as an individual advocate and, and someone who is striving to work with as many organizations as possible to, you know, to get to as many men and women inside of prison to let them know that, yes, they do deserve to be forgiven and they do deserve that worthiness to be able to step outside one day if they put in the work, if they are willing to take accountability for their actions. It's one thing if you say, I don't know, what's my fault? Um, You know, I'm never getting out anyways. But it's another thing to be so full of remorse, which you guys all saw on the video. These men were big men crying in little puddles of tears, just feeling everything. And it's important for us as a society to understand those feelings and to understand that they've changed and to understand simply the possibility of going from what Jason was as a you know teenager to who he is now. And understanding that he is not an exception. There are thousands and thousands of people across the country who have done the work that Jason has done and are very deserving of the same forgiveness that I've offered. And in that group, um, one of the men that, oh, I'm not worthy of forgiveness. I'm not worthy of forgiveness. And I just remember kneeling in front of him, holding his face in my hands and telling him, I forgive you. And let that be enough to remind you that you can be forgiven by your victim. And it was just so emotional and so impactful that, like, when I walked out of there, I remember telling Jason, like, I am not done. I'm not stopping until, you know, we get this message across that it is vital to our future criminal justice system to expose the need for forgiveness and the need to have this redemption available to other people. Hmm. I'm just pausing for a moment. Thank you so much 
for your responses and your conversation tonight. And as we go into the last few minutes here, just want to invite um, towards closing an opportunity for everyone um, internationally today with us, Australia, the U.S., Canada, and more, um, for being with us today. Thank you. Um, we want to also remind you that next week and the weeks following through June 18th, we will be hosting this forum post-episode on Sundays. And next week will be the River Phoenix Center for Peacebuilding um, facilitating a process. And we're looking forward to coming back here with you for that. Um, as you may, have, may or may not have heard, Restorative Justice on the Rise was founded in 2011 and is here for public forum um, purposes, for dialogue with leadership all over the world in restorative justice and practices, and has a bevy of podcasts and um, information and resources, including a, a U.S. map of programs that you can click to. So many of you are asking how to get more involved in victim-offender dialogue programs or how to find out more. And so as we go into um, closing, that's going to be one of the questions perhaps that one or each of you could answer is, what would you say to people if they're wanting to reach out and find a victim-offender dialogue program or just even make an inquiry? And I'm going to hand the mic over to Belvie for a moment, too, as we move well, towards our close. Well, I just want to say, as we're closing, thank you, each of you, so much for, for, for me and for people listening and for people watching, modeling um, that love and healing and forgiveness and transformation are not just words. And that for me, it's been the power of just experiencing your journey and who you are and who we are together. Is, um, that it's possible um, that the love, the healing, and the forgiveness. And so thank you for just modeling that so with such courage and commitment. Because if we don't see it, then it's hard to know it and it's hard to believe it. And we so need it. Thank you so much, Belvi, and I just want to honor Belvi. This is Belvi Rooks, my co-host tonight with you all, and um, Belvi has worked very closely with Van Jones over a number of years in so many various contexts, including the Ella Baker Center, Green for All, and Bioneers, and she and her uh, partner in life and love and co-founder of Growing a Global Heart um, Didon transitioned in 2015, but um, together they were our honored guests on Restorative Justice on the Rise eight years ago, and so was Van um, around the impactful Cut 50 launch, and we're very honored and um, want to acknowledge with all of our hearts the work that Van and his team are doing and to support uh, the human connection and dialogue aspect all throughout this eight-week series and again a, a great thanks to their team and pointing you of course to the reform alliance as well as to all the resources that are linked on the webcast page at the click 
of a button. Um, I want to also mention that Bellevue has a, a couple um, really significant books about to launch from Inner Pathways Publishing, including The Power of Love, A Transformed Heart Changes the World, which was compiled by Dr. Fran Grace, and in which she co-authored co the essay with Didon, Love and the Healing of Societal Wounds. It's well on its way to becoming a textbook on global ethics and was launched at the Parliament of World Religions in November of last year. Also, in addition, Grandmother Mona Polaka's essay appears in the same anthology, and Mona is also a continued speaker and mentor on Restorative Justice on the Rise Connection Series, which is a year-long mentorship opportunity with global experts in restorative justice. And that's also um, Bellevue's uh, mentor and guide and faculty for that. And finally, I want to make mention of the other book that's about to launch, Springtime of My Blushing Heart, a poetic love song. And um, that is a very special book that's about to launch that you'll want to see from Inner Pathways Publishing. Um, finally, I just want to um, guide your attention back to Restorative Justice on the Rise. That's restorativejusticeontherise.org. Founded in 2011, it's your forum. Um, it's media about justice and transformation. So let's go back again to close tonight with just a few closing comments uh, from our very honored guests. And just wondering if there's anything that you'd like to add around the earlier question about um, taking action or taking next steps to inquire and any other closing thoughts you might like to leave us with. Javier, would you like to start? Sure. I, I'm sorry, there was some sirens going by. Uh, if uh, folks are interested in uh, finding out more about victim offender dialogues in California, they uh, I invite them to visit our website, healingdialogueandaction.org. Uh, you, in any state, if um, there are folks who, who, who want to uh, have a victim offender dialogue with the person who's incarcerated, the, the way to go would be by contacting that, uh, their Department of Corrections in that particular state. Um, and uh, everybody can do restorative justice on a daily basis with everybody they run across. I love that. It's a lens and a way of, of being and framing the way we speak and the way we relate. Thank you, Javier, so much for being with us tonight. That's, again, healingdialogueandaction.org. Jason, any closing thoughts? Um, uh, I just have two really quick shout-outs. I want to shout-out uh, Frances McGinley on our staff. She's become default IT specialist, and she's pretty much single-handedly revamped and overhauled our website. So like Javier said, please check that out. And I just want to say if anybody wants to hear more about this story, uh, they could check out the Redemption podcast. Uh, I did that with Johnny Kovach. He's a very talented individual who spends his life going inside of juvenile halls and prisons and doing creative writing classes. And I had the opportunity to sit down and work with this gentleman 
And uh, like I said, people, please check out the website and please check out the Redemption Podcast. Thank you. And that that podcast, Jason, thank you, is connected on the webcast page directly. So if you're looking to link right out from here to that podcast, um, it's there. Mariah, closing thoughts, comments you'd like to leave us with? Well, (laughs) um, I would like to, one, um, offer anybody who wants to know a little bit more in depth about my personal um, story and trauma and victimization, I actually wrote and published a book, um, and you can find it on Amazon. It's called I Became. Uh, So if you're interested in, you know, reading some very harsh and detailed um, experiences, then you're you should go check that out. I would greatly appreciate it if y'all shared it. Um, but ultimately, I really just want to share that. Um, again, as I mentioned earlier, after filming this documentary and meeting Jason and relieving myself of the years and years of wonder of what if and why did he do this and, you know, why me, pity, pity me kind of thing, I actually lost 110 pounds. I went from 275 pounds to 160, 165 on a bad day. Um, and honestly, it, it's just because of the fact that I was able to let go of all of that pain and all of that hatred and to remind myself that we are humans, we make mistakes, and it's important to forgive and to not only ask for forgiveness but to extend that forgiveness but even more than that, it's important to extend that forgiveness for yourself. It's not for anybody else. It's not for the person that you're giving that forgiveness to. It's not to make your spouse happy or your best friend happy. It's not to look good. Honestly, forgive for yourself because you are worth it. And I can tell you from personal experience that by forgiving and letting go of all of that allowed me to live so much better, allowed me to live a a bigger and fuller and more beautiful life. So if I can leave any message with you, it's forgiveness is not for anybody other than yourself. And if you're not worth that own forgiveness, um, you know, who is? (laughs) And if you feel like you're not worth it, take a second, put your hand on your heart, feel the blood pulsing through your veins. And that simple act alone of realizing that you are human, that's all the worth and all the explanation that you need to be able to accept and receive forgiveness for yourself, for every every person who's ever um, been harmed by your actions. Um, so spread love and light and, you know, be a light in somebody else's storm. And I promise you, you will receive more from that than anybody else does. And with that, those powerful words, we want to thank you so much um, on behalf of Bellevue Rooks and and I, Molly Rowan Leach. We hope you have a wonderful week, and we hope to see you next week. And we want to hear from you. If you have any needs, questions, or comments about this discussion forum, we want to make sure to hear from you. And like I said earlier, 
will be submitting all of your questions directly to Javier, Jason, and Mariah. And most of all, a deep bow and thanks to you three for being with us tonight. And of course, again, to Van Jones and to his entire team and the producers and all of the people involved in making the Redemption Project with Van Jones possible. Good night, all. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having us.